Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Per Minute. I'm your host, Jeremy J. Fassett. On this episode, we get to meet Matana Roberts. Matana Roberts is best known as a saxophonist, clarinetist, and avant-garde experimental jazz composer. They're also a visual artist, cultural historian, and has just put out the fifth chapter of their esteemed Coin Coin series, a series of records taking us through a mixture of American history, Matana's personal history, family history, and so much more. In this chat, Matana and I talk at length about this new chapter, Coin Coin Chapter 5, In the Garden, as well as some of the past chapters and what the project means overall, to them, to us, and all the various avenues it has taken them down, and takes listeners down. We talk about a lot in between. This is a pretty circuitous talk, but in, I think, a really good way. It felt like a very alive conversation, and sometimes those really are just the best ones to have. If you're a fan of Matana's work, if you're a fan of avant-garde music, experimental music, jazz, avant-jazz, free jazz, there are so many categories that have been thrown at Matana over the years. Some of them fit, some of them don't, some of them they squeeze in between. Either way, I think you'll really enjoy this chat, even if you're just a casual music listener or jazz listener, because Matana has a lot of insight into their process, but also the world in which they inhabit and the world in which people often presume they inhabit and the way that they sort of saunter in between and all around those worlds. I really appreciated them taking the time to talk to me. Please go listen to the record. It is fabulous. So thank you for listening. Please enjoy. This is me meeting Matana Roberts. I'm pretty sick. I'm still yeah. sick. I'm trying to put on a brave face and just act like I'm not, but I am I'm not completely Aww. well from whatever this is and just be careful out here, eh? Yeah, right. Um well, I'm sorry that you're not doing better yet. I mean, I feel like it's been a while of you feeling kind of under the weather. <clears throat> well, it's, you know, however this COVID uh happens i guess it's different for different people mm-hmm. um when covid started i did have it whatever version that was yeah and that took um sorry i'm making sure i have headphones in here um that ended up taking like two and a half weeks to three weeks mm. um to go away so mm. But I didn't, the symptoms I had then were nothing like this. Like I couldn't move. I couldn't stand. I didn't have balance. I couldn't. um, It was a, it was really scary experience because I also feel like I was being pressured to do things. um, I feel like people didn't understand how bad it actually was. Yeah. No, I think that took a while for the majority of people to fully grasp yeah and so now i i do not feel a hundred percent um but i don't really have time where i can just not do shit like i have so much yeah i have to do yeah well i mean i appreciate you stick into this time we blocked out and still trying to soldier through um i will try not to disrupt your uh your brain too bad or make you have to reach too deep into there too too far oh i'm so happy to talk to you i'm so happy too yeah we should it's so nice to talk to you and congratulations also on your when is your when are you releasing this? Is it happening this oh, week? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's Sunday now. So yeah, uh, Thursday, I'll be I'll be uh, uploading that. That's so, exciting. Yeah, thank you for listening, by the way. I mean, people, people who listen to this show, if they don't know who I am, may not realize that I also do make music. But um, yeah, I'm happy you listen to it. I mean, yeah. we, we should we should say, I mean, this song, I mean, this song, this uh, this show is called Meet Our Makers. And and while I have not met you and we have never actually had a vocal conversation, you and I have been in touch on social media for a couple of years now. 
couple years. Um, and I don't know if I don't know exactly how it started. It might have started because of uh, a needle drop video or something, and then right we reached out right. to you and all that good stuff. So it might have even predated this show, to be honest. Um, because I've been doing this so. show for a couple years too. Um, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so I'm happy. We've been talking about having you on for a while too, but then like you were in between projects and I had a million things. I right. always have a million things happening. And right. I'm not a good job. I, I need a clone. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. Um, but now we should say early on, you have a project coming out. So you're not between projects anymore. You're on the cusp of releasing the fifth coin coin chapter called In the Garden. It's out September 29th on Constellation. Um it's been a few years since chapter four. I, I don't know if if the pandemic delayed this at all or if this is kind of the timetable it would have been on anyway. Um, it definitely, the pandemic definitely delayed everything yeah. for me. Yeah. So how are you feeling about it all as it's about to be heard by by everyone? I'm pensive. You know, it's like the coin coin stories are... Like, I'm not trying to make trauma records. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make records that are about the joy and human perseverance. Mm. And also about how um, giving a voice to the voiceless. And mm -hmm. so that those things, I feel like, are pretty clear in this project so far. But I don't want people to think that I'm trauma dumping on them also it's a it's a it's a it's a weird dichotomy because a lot of the stories that are in this project are stories that have given me a lot of inspiration to try harder mm. to work harder to reach higher to, to because remembering what people had to go through in order for me to be present I just it gives me um a lot but i also have a trauma background so navigating these stories is i sometimes i feel like is a lot easier for me because they actually are not as shocking um to me hmm. and so whenever there's a release i'm always a little nervous about um how people are going to take it in and and this particular story is not one that I ever thought would be aligning with some sort of political madness. Right. Um, this story has always been in the in the order series as chapter five. So I'm just sort of shocked at the timing and a little concerned that it might be taken um, in the wrong way by some people, but I also have to remember those people don't listen to my records, you know? <laughs> They're not checking out Constellation. That's for probably sure. true. Right? So what am I, why am I worried? Yeah, and and so, you know, for those who are uninitiated, um, in case anyone's listening to this that does not know your work, um, I mean, you're a multidisciplinary artist. You have, you have non-CoinCoin related projects, but for the CoinCoin series, it is sort of this excavation of our history of your history, your family's history kind of told in what I, what I take as sort of a nonlinear um, sort of collage of storytelling. Um, yes. And so what would the story be for this one, if you could boil it down? Like, why, why are you talking about the politics of the moment? And how is that so prescient? Right. So the politics of the moment in regards to this, I mean, the coin coin project is about the, it's a, monument to the human experience and mm -hmm. i'm using stories that were passed down to me as a a jump off point into areas of american history that i find really fascinating and so that i find fascinating and also just like cognitively so dissonant for all the things that we talk about you know the american way the american 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 mm -hmm. um all the kind of messages that we put a have put across around the foundation of the country yet you know we all know those messages are slanted so um this particular recording is about uh an ancestor of mine who um passed away from a infection that she received 
um, from trying to self-abort a child. Hmm. And uh, it's a it's a really it's a weird story. It's a story that was whispered through the women in my line in a different way than it was through the men. Some men, her her own children, actually going to their graves thinking that she had died of something else. They weren't told. Hmm. Um, and there was a cousin in the sixties who had gone senile and started telling everybody's business from <laughs> the previous generation. That's how my grandmother always said, I don't even remember. That's, that's how it was explained to me, yeah. how they knew it. And I kind of held on to the story for a really long time and thought at some point, I just want to find records on this to see, you know, because family stories there, it's like a game of telephone. By the time it gets to you, there's all sorts of things that didn't happen. Um, but I was able to prove that she did indeed um, die from exactly what she did die from. And which I, every time I see, it's, you know, it's on her death certificate. Like they really, it's almost as if they, they put the information on the death certificate to shame her mm. for the time period. So the time period was the 1920s. Um, and, and one thing that I want to make sure is gotten across is that these people and the people that I'm speaking of from that particular side of my family, they were hella privileged, um, because of colorism and the ways in which they were able to blend into society as much lighter skinned people of which some of them went on to pass as white people, mm-hmm. um, and so the way in which I tell the story is a bit from that privileged perspective a little bit. And I, I hope that people get that. Like if, if she had looked like me in skin tone, uh, I'm not even sure she would have had the opportunities that she had had at that moment. To get the illegal abortion, you mean? To, to even, to, to, um, to even have the opportunities that she had. She was a school teacher Mm. and she was educated. And uh, she was able to access knowledge around how to abort Mm -hmm. um, a fetus. Uh, And the fact that she even had the time to consider that to me speaks of privilege and the way that she speaks of her story on the record i just hope people hear that like it's um she was able to access things that and and think about her um place in the world in a different way than some of my other ancestors and i just think that's an incredibly important part of the story hmm. And you you sort of answered this, I think, already a little bit, but I was going to ask you why now felt like the right time for this story, but it sounds like it ended up being like almost the other way around. Like this story was sort of predestined to come out, as you say, as the fifth chapter, and now it's the right story for our time. I guess. Like, I, you know, Jeremy, I've been working on this project for so long, yeah. and I never expected only in 2023 to have chapter five out. Like, right. I really wanted everything done by now, to be honest. W- when did chapter one come out? Wasn't it? Well, chapter one came out in 2010, but the project started in 2005. Okay. People get that wrong often. They're like, the project started in 2010. No, the project started in 2005, thanks to a fellowship I was given by the um, Jim Staley, the roulette intermedium uh, in New York. and. Um, I had been thinking about the project and had been working on snippets of it, but didn't have the support I needed to get it off the ground. And then Jim stepped in there and I was able to spend some time really working on it. But then it took a good five years for me to find a record label. Record Mm. labels that I was approaching, they were just like, what is it? You know, we don't understand it. can we call it jazz? Why can't we call it jazz? Or do you, you know, 
there was a lot of confusion around it. So I just kept performing it and working on it and workshopping it. And um, I ended up in Montreal for a little while because of a project um, with an organization called ICASP, Improvisation Community and Social Practice. And I was brought in as a consultant on a youth initiative that was uh, funded by uh, Godspeed You Black Emperor. They put a lot of money into the huh. community. I, they don't talk about it. They don't I'm, talk about I, much. <laughs> they don't talk about much, right. But they never, but even the ones that do talk every once in a while, mm -hmm. you won't hear anything about all the community work that they do. And so I was brought in to do that. And I started workshopping CoinCoin Coin in Montreal. And um, the guys at Constellation, I'd already known them. And they would come to those shows you know, they came up to me and they were like, where's the record? <laughs> why, why, why is there no record of this? Like what's happening? Yeah. So, so it took a minute, but then it sounds like the right, the right people found it. <clears throat> I am really privileged in that. I feel they understand it, mm -hmm. especially from a um, creative aesthetic. Like those record covers, the album, like they look exactly how I want them to look. Mm hmm there's like psychic connection between me and um, Ian Lasky and Don uh, Wilkie around that aesthetic. And so I really appreciate them for that. And you um, and you designed the artwork for this one. Did, did you design it for all five so far? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, like the layouts, I, I don't design the layouts, but I designed the artwork. Okay. So there, there should be a difference there. Like the, the artwork, um, the things from my archive that are used, those are all me. Mm -hmm. uh, we go through different um, ideas around the layout, but I have a lot of uh, agency. They give me a lot of agency in that, mm. uh, which has not always been my experience with other record labels. Yeah. Um, but they are a rock label and there are some things that, you know, about creative music and improvised music, they're not like as versed in as some of these other um, things. And have they always been understanding and supportive of the fact that this is a 12th chapter project? Yeah. 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 I mean, originally it was 10. And okay. then as we got moving, I realized because each chapter is a way for me to challenge myself as a composer, like different ensemble configurations and colors that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. I also really love solo playing and solo collage making. So when I started the project, I did not have the two solo chapters. Chapter three should have actually been chapter one. Oh, okay. One should have been chapter two and right. so on. And then uh, chapter 12 is the solo. It's the last yeah. solo, but it won't, it won't be the, it won't be like an electronic collage situation. It'll be a bit different. Yeah. Cause that's kind of what three was. It was sort of like a collage piece, a sound piece, so to speak. Yeah. It was a weaving together of field recordings and then lots of processed mm -hmm. alto. And originally there were no lyrics on that. There was not going to be any singing on that. Um, and I remember I turned the record into CST and they called me up and they were like, it sounds great, but are you, is this what, you know, are you sure this is what you want to, uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, you know, whatever you want to do, we support, but just want to make sure is this. And then I understood what they were asking. I was like, okay. Well, there are, there is a layer of lyrics that I didn't add, that I felt like it didn't need it, but I'll go back in the studio and add them and see if I like it. Mm -hmm. And I added them and I liked it. So there you go. There you go. So with this fifth chapter, um, what would you say were some of the significant challenges you tried to kind of put upon yourself or changes that you noticed with this one? Um... I mean, a lot of it was written. I, I have to publicly say, because I'm I've agreed to say this and 
I should just say it. Uh, during the last year of the kind of worst of the pandemic, I guess, I don't know where we're at with this. Man. I know. Me neither. I'm like the last, I don't know. I'm very scared about like the fall, mm -hmm. just what I am experiencing now. But uh, I was given the designation of distinguished guest composer at the University of Chicago through the um, Center for Contemporary Improvisation uh, led by the iconic composer, Augusta Reed Thomas. And as part of um, that designation, they agreed to fund some part of the next record. Mm. Uh, because one of the things that's really hard with this record is, with these records, is I'm trying to build a pretty large community of people and musicians that I've admired for an eternity, really, that I'm trying to get on these records. These records are not band-specific in terms of the same band for each record. It's their band specific for very particular people that I want to honor in this music. Mm -hmm. And so that means strategizing things as a band leader. That's just very different from being in a band. And I'm not able to put musicians in a situation where they're not being compensated correctly or fairly. I find that um, really harrowing. Mm. And so one of the reasons the records are slower than I would like them to be is just been about finding the right funding to make sure, you know, Constellation pays for a very nice chunk that allows the record to exist, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but in terms of fees and uh studios and because I'm not Canadian there's certain grants and things they can't apply for on my behalf so I have to find things on my own right um, and that was part of the University of Chicago it's a really long story what happened there but that's part of the reason um, I took this distinguished guest composer for a year so that they could help me kind of fatten up the coffers so that was challenging and as part of that agreement, I'm giving them my score and the graphic uh, score work to keep in their archive for an eternity, mm -hmm. something I've never done. Um, so that was kind of challenging. Uh, yeah. Like there's so many things that were just difficult these records are really marking very particular periods in my life that mm. when it's all done I'll be able to look back at them and go wow okay we cycle through this 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 and this like I'm a very different um person from when I started the project in a sense yeah uh, and I'm very I'm kind of more in my could give two fucks mm-hmm time of my life which is a very nice space to be in sure um but it requires being i just have to advocate harder for myself and for other people and um i find in some of these circuits it's just not taken well and so that is the difficult that is a difficult part of making these records and then just dealing with this story like yeah. trying to figure out how to tell this story in a way where it's not like i'm not painting her as a victim i'm not victimizing or vi venomizing other people in the story i'm trying to have some sort of balance of understanding you know how complicated family dynamics are and especially extended family dynamics, which is part of the story. Um, I'm trying to give her grace and not, not worry too much that, oh, maybe she wouldn't want this story told, mm -hmm. you know? So 
I had to go through edits upon edits upon edits upon edits over the text and how to tell the story. And I had to really dig into some of my own, you know, personal stuff um, of trying to relate to her story. Like I do, there are some parallels in this story for me. And so it was just really interesting to try to find some balance there and celebrate her and not shame her because she was shamed Yeah, during the time that the, she was definitely shamed. And um, that was a, that was a very painful part of the story to try to figure out if that part was definitely as true as I thought it was. And it was. Yeah. So trying to craft this more redeeming portrait of, of someone who maybe was not so in, in at the end of her life. Yeah. I mean, the way that they, you know, at least I, I feel like, I feel like the family did try to give her grace in the way that they shielded her children from knowing exactly what had happened to her. Right. The way that they kept her kind of like angelic, um, pious for the time period, you know, mm -hmm. they really didn't, um, they really didn't ruin that for those kids. And so I think, there's something to be said about that, but she was really trapped by her circumstances. And I feel so grateful that I live, I have lived through a time so far where I have never felt trapped by my circumstances. I've always had a way out mm -hmm. of, of various um, situations. And so... I just wanted to be able to give her freedom and to know how inspiring her story uh, actually actually is to me, and I hope it will be to others. Right. And I mean, you can you can delve into this as much as as you desire, but have people who are more directly in her lineage have they have they heard this do they know that the story is being told in this way yeah i mean i'm direct okay i'm i'm as direct as it comes okay so it's i'll just say that without right over identifying um it's because it gets complicated you know when you tell it, the family stories it, anyway. no it gets it gets complicated i mean my family is not super impressed by what i do <laughs> generally like that's the kind of family that I come from like hey they, me neither they, really <laughs> yeah they are like they wanted me to be into music and the arts for being quote-unquote cultured but they never wanted me to go on and have it as a career they saw it as you know there used to be a time in America that the only thing that black folks could do was to be in some sort of art or entertainment right mm -hmm. especially entertainment and um or music or whatever and they just they wanted me to go to law school medical school be a or be a civil servant or you know and so the coin coin project has never really remember i sent a bunch of them the last record and it was like crickets <laughs> so not from all of them but from some of them and i was like right this doesn't you know it's like oh that's nice you right, know, right. I know, I know that feeling. You know, it's it's that sort of thing. Yeah. This particular story, I don't know. There are only a few other people that know this story, so I know that they'll be okay. Mm -hmm. There's a whole other side connected to this side that I've been in touch with off and on over the years, who are. Um, who are completely passing as white people, like completely. And my, my arrival has been really interesting um, where, well, I shouldn't even say they're completely passing as white people. They might be offended by that if they heard that, but I think not complete, they can 
be white. They mm-hmm. just, they can't, you would look at my mother and my mother's first cousin and you'd be like, what? You'd be like, yeah, that's, Louisiana was a very special place um, with that. Mm-hmm. But I imagine there's going to be someone who might uh, not be happy that I'm telling this story. So I'm also kind of just a couple like super uber religious folk who might look at this story as um, it. This is this is a story that should die with the person. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. You know, the the project has always been really surprising. But you know, I have that one uncle who was always like, "You just need to write a hit, mm-hmm. and if you just write that hit." then you can go back to doing all this weird stuff that right. you're, you're doing. Um, or you just got to go play sax on like a Taylor Swift song or something. Or something. No, yeah. totally. Like some sort of, yeah, I've had some <laughs> crazy moments with stuff like that. Like they'll see things like that and be like, Oh, okay. That's weird auditions that I've had and weird things that I've, been asked to do that are kind of more mainstream and and then they'll be like oh okay I see (laughs) Um, but most of my immediate family are now deceased so it's also it's a weird I'm not so sure I would have done this project if I had remembered not everybody is going to be able to travel all the way to the end with me at right. this point, right. at the point that I'm at now. So on this record, you know, concerning that story of this relative, um, as with many, maybe maybe all of the records, yeah, I think all five have had um, a set of lyrics to them, now with three having lyrics as well. Um, do For this record, are any of them you or are you are you assuming the role of this relative i mean the interesting thing about this record is also thanks to the university of chicago i had a research assistant Hmm. um very lovely person who helped me to because even though you know it's like i'm dealing with these ancestral stories but i'm also really digging into a lot of historical data of trying to understand the time period, of trying to understand, you know, okay, how am I going to tell this person's story? I really need to, I need to walk where they walked, which I did do that. I need to, um, I need to try to understand just the kind of different tones and intones of the day from where I'm telling the story. But I also want them to be represent, not representative of only themselves, but also of a universe of people in a mm-hmm. sense. The experience that I speak about on this record is is not unique, was not unique uh, yeah. to the time period in a sense. And that's one of the things that I really want to get across there were many women that went to their graves um not being able to speak about their experience so in a sense i'm i'm using the ancestral stories in that way but i also you know i'm human and i am i have ovaries and my i've been through a lot and uh all good you know i say all good things in retrospect but you know like that's it's being alive is a learning experience and none of us really understand what the hell is going on until the very end, mm-hmm. I hope. Um, so there are parts about being an ovary person in the world that are that are in these lyrics, in a sense, that speak of my time and also speak of hers in a collapsed sort of way, mm-hmm. where there's certain things of which I read and researched and thought about um, from, from women's first you know, person accounts of going through similar situations um, that really spoke to me where I'd be like, oh, I know exactly what that feels like. Oh, I know exactly how, um, 
how these things can be misconstrued, I understand. Uh, I, for one, have always felt like a very misunderstood person. Totally misunderstood. And I often don't understand. People will say weird things to me. They'll say things like, you're really intimidating. Or they'll say, like, your your words are too strong. Or you're... I was always taught to speak. Um, and so from what I know of her, there was also a lot of seemed to be misunderstanding in terms of how she was received by people. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of weaved, there's a weave in there yeah. uh, where there's bits and pieces of myself. and But that's in every chapter, really. Right. That will be in the entire project. And there's some chapters that'll be a little bit more autobiographical than uh you might expect but mm. you just have to listen yeah and so do do lyrics typically come with the music for you or does one sort of come first and then you you find the other it depends um the coin coin project is uh, you know it's a very collaged aesthetic mm-hmm. that is the that is the medium, this kind of sonic collage. Uh, and there's a lot of, I keep returning to like these public domain songs that then I rearrange and apply my own lyrics to, mm-hmm. which happens in this chapter too. It just hasn't been, did they give you a download? Yeah, no, I've I listened to it this morning okay. actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So in that case, like these records are more about sonic textures. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of looking for those first before I'm looking for lyrics. Um I in my other kind of music life. I like writing full-on songs. I have so many songs I've never released. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. <laughs> are they more like, um, for lack of better words, are they more like pop-oriented songs? They're not. They're kind of somewhere. I don't know where they are. Like yeah. I have a love for Americana and folk. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the idea of when people gave singing concerts where there was no band, they Mm. just sang to the like recital style. I think about that a lot. I love group singing. That's why it's always on these records. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite things in the world to do. Um, But they're more, they're just a bit more introspective and a bit more linear in a sense. Mm -hmm. The all of these, all of the chapters are very. I'm t- I'm telling stories, but they're not, they're not super linear. If you're listening, like there there's a whole other layer going on under all, uh, pretty much all of them. I mean, the first chapter, yeah, just kind of, kind of set the pace. But um, but I mean, you're also telling stories sonically as in addition to lyrically because for example on chapter five there's not singing on every song you know but and yet the story continues so that is a inevitably that's going to feel like a different method maybe than these other songs you're talking about because you're conveying story via sound and texture and placement of certain things and timing you know it's all it's all it's all different yeah, I mean, my whole thing was about, and this was a this is a funny thing about like bringing family back into it. It was like, how do you draw in people to experimental music and experimental sounds? Well, the easiest way to do that is through storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like, if using storytelling as a vehicle is a very good way to usher people into sonic fabric that they may be unfamiliar with and just need something to root to. And I think that's one of the reasons I decided to do this project 
in that way. At the same time, I also grew up around a lot of experimental music. So mm. it's, you know, for my parents to give me a hard time about, you need to go, well, you shouldn't have been playing all that crazy music around me all the time. Like you guys were playing, you know, Albert Eiler and Sun Ra and mm. um, Art Ensemble and all these think David Murray, all these things around me all the time. And uh, and imprinted this music on my system. And so, of course, I might be interested in, or the like the very late Coltrane, like, of course, I might be interested in these more experimental um, sorts of things. Yeah. And I mean, speaking as a, as a, as a listener, um, you know, I'm... I'm profoundly, embarrassingly ill, ill learned in jazz. Honestly, um, I need to explore more. But I am a fan of experimental music, and I always have been. I mean, I, I've always, I've long been a fan of. You know, you mentioned Godspeed or um, Jackie O, motherfucker. Uh -huh. um, you know, just sort of sprawling, improvisational jazz influenced, I suppose, music. But I do appreciate having the anchor of the story you know i do think it helps some people like myself and maybe people who are even less inclined for experimental music to have something to kind of tether to i hope so like i you know it's like the experimental experimental music is so vast it's mm -hmm. awesome how vast it is it's one of those genres too that's like not it's like a non-genre but we call it we use it like a genre i know and and it used to um, make me mad sometimes where people would be like oh well everything you're doing here it's just all jazz and it's like no mm. that's not what's happening here but I I understand that and I also understand how I present and like saxophone you like you know it's like okay it has to be it's a mix of things I'm a hybrid of mm -hmm. a lot of different um, traditions and my foundation jazz does sit at the foundation of uh how I learned how to deal with music, but it's not um, where I where I've stopped, and that's that's always been really interesting to um, to deal with and go back and forth on people. I just I want people who are listening to the things that I'm making. I want them to have their critical thinking skills like mm -hmm. really challenged and 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 perhaps by listening to the record they would decide yeah i really don't like whatever this is <laughs> that's fine too you know whatever helps you form your taste right but the fact that you just even take a moment with these records means a lot to me yeah i mean uh, you you know i'm i'm a fan of your work but even so i i, I don't i don't think your work is easy and i don't think it's intended to necessarily be easy it's just oh, yeah. and it's probably not easy to construct either so that's fitting <laughs> no i you know it's you know sometimes i i'm just like matana you could have you made records about flowers i could have just written love songs well you know, this just, one is called in the garden it is called yeah it is called in the garden thank you yes <laughs> It is called In the Garden, um, which I go back and forth about that title, but it is what it is. And now it's... Is it illusionary in any way? Well, so In the Garden, um, chapter two. Was it chapter two? Chapter one? Somewhere back My there. mother died 10 days before chapter one was recorded. Mm. and then um we were performing there was going to be a performance of coin coin music at that time i had chapter one and chapter two kind of being performed at the same time mm -hmm. and before her funeral there was this Sometimes I regret doing this, but I did. My mother would have wanted me to do this. I had a gig before her funeral and I was going to cancel it. And in my head, I was like, no, she wouldn't want me to cancel it. There's, I'm just going to play this gig. 
And I helped her, um, she had uterine cancer and towards the end, her spine had collapsed and she was not mobile. And I was helping her plan her funeral. Mm-hmm. And she asked for the hymn in the garden to be sung at her funeral. Mm-hmm. And when I performed chapter two that week, uh, I added in the garden at the end of that chapter. That's now a permanent part of that chapter. Um, and part of this story was uh, this this ancestor was not buried with her family because she was shamed and could not be buried in the uh, the family, the Catholic family plot. That's the story I was told. Mm-hmm. And so part of the research for this was going down there to look to see if that was really true, if she wasn't there. And she indeed wasn't there. And the cemetery was kind of, it had, it was was old, but there were lots of flowers. Like it was very gardenous to me. Hmm. So I decided to use um, in the garden just as a, Oh, to my mother again. I mean, the entire project is an ode to my mother. My mother really, even though she wanted me to do other things, when she realized that I was doing this, she was very happy for me. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to use that. And it's very possible that she's in that cemetery, but she's just not marked. Yeah. And I tried to talk about that. Everybody, her parents, her sibling, everybody else is there. But um I tried to talk about that way on this chapter in, in a way that I hoped made sense. And so that's where the title comes from. Yeah. It's actually sort of fitting though, because it's like another way of the linearity and the time sort of collapsing on itself. Yes. A little bit. Yeah. And and all the chapters are connected. They're mm-hmm. all they're all weaves. When everything's said and done, I hope people will be able to really sit down and see it and all the scores also are connected by the time the entire book is done you'll be able to see that yeah i mean as we were joking the other day i i can't wait for the 12 that 12 record box set oh my that God, comes you out and me both god me you and me both That's i won't say who said this to me at constellation but someone said to me they're like could you just finish this before i die it's like <laughs> yes I am. I need to finish it before I die. Right, right. So, so <laughs> we're on it. I'm on it. Yeah. I really want to get this done. And it's your. Is it your intention also to publish the scores? Yes. Yeah. Because people are always asking me for them, and I would like to be able to give them to people to interpret and such. But I want to finish the project. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, there's that, and then I have like a huge archive of photographs and documents that I'd like to put in a book form. I think it would be cool for people to see that. Um, and now that things are kind of moving again, I can kind of do more of the research travels of certain these certain places. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I'd love to zero in um, story-wise or narrative-wise on one small section of the record, if if you'd allow me to. Oh, go for um, it. I was struck particularly, it's sort of right in the middle of the record, um, a caged dance, and then followed by I have long been fascinated. I'm curious what is happening there or sort of where we are there, because those two pieces stood out to me since they're such minimal sort of haunting spare pieces. You know, um, it's just basically, it's almost essentially a single horn. Um it's almost ambient in a way it's very few instruments and it's just about eight minutes of the record, but I, I'm just curious sort of what, what's happening there for lack of better words. For ba- for lack of better words. I mean, I have to, I guess in this sense, um, a cage dance, I've long been fascinated. I also need to shout out the amazing musicians on this. Mm, yes, please. Record because that, 
that makes a difference. Like to be able to work with people who don't look at me like I'm crazy when I ask for something particular mm-hmm. uh, texture wise or um, conceptually uh, ask for uh, very particular things. I mean, I, between those two, I don't know. I just really like durational sound. Mm-hmm. Um these records are really, they're divided into tracks, but they really are one long piece. Absolutely, yeah. That's what they're, that's how they're supposed to be heard. They're not supposed to be broken up into tracks like this, but I had to do that for, I mean, somebody would buy a 45 minute track. It's, I know it's been know, done before. <laughs> been done. Right, exactly. But, uh, it, it's all I guess it's all about the weave. It's hard for me to um to really explain. Mm. It's really instinctual. It's a combination of my own instinct and also tapping very gifted sonic explorers um to tra- to traverse with me. Everybody on this record is a very special musician. Mm-hmm. And is that is that you is that your sax that we hear in the cage dance piece? If you uh, recall, I think there are two saxophones okay. on the cage dance piece. I'm pretty sure there's two of us, and that would be Darius. Okay, and that would also be myself. And you can hear the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, Darius has a very different sound from me, and he's one of my favorite alto saxophonists. I'm just, um, I'm just sorry go on oh go ahead uh, I was just gonna say agree with you that I'm also I'm always drawn to those sort of durational pieces on I mean I guess essentially any record but like those sort of ambient passages especially when they're ambient music made from analog instruments I always find that really interesting um because you can make a synth ambient piece that lasts 25 minutes and it's all in the you know a couple of keys that you've maybe played with and affected but when it's a instrument being struck or being blown or being played durationally i always find that fascinating and, and moving it's one of the reasons why i'm a huge stars of the lid fan totally. um you know unfortunately we just lost brian mcbride um no everybody's leaving early. i know which is so sad so depressing but yeah that's why i'm drawn to pieces like a cage dance and and you've had various other passages like that um across these chapters where you just it's almost like a i don't want to say a pause because it's not really a pause there's still things happening but you know the chaos settles down and there's sort of a sparse moment and that durational um stuff is really interesting to me so that's why i wanted to ask about that yeah i really like i think about those things like I think about like migration and I think about land masses and I, you know, if you look at um, just looking at like a span of the world and seeing islands, Mm. water, land, water, land, you know, just all these things. I think about those textures a lot. So maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know, but I like it. I yeah. just like it. Uh, one last thing about this record I wanted to touch on um, is something I've, that I've noticed in your work before. But the one, one thing I really enjoy about your work um, is the use of motif. Um, and I especially am focusing lyrically since my ear is probably less attuned to picking up musical motifs than some others would be. But lyrically, you do have on this record that motif, the uh, my name is your name passage, which gets repeated oh, yeah. a few times. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious if the, 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 the motif, the, the concept of that, of using a, a phrase over and over again throughout a record, is that something that you sort of consciously consider with these chapters or do they, does that just kind of come about naturally? It's an anchor for me, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of trying to access and channel the character, the person, mm-hmm. it helps me anchor down and try to speak their testimony or this comp combined testimony that is part theirs, part mine. Um, it's kind of like an incantation. Uh, 
it gives me permission to move. Hmm. And it's a reminder of why it's so important to tell the story. Um, I seem to gravitate. I don't mean to gravitate towards that every time, but I seem to have almost gravitated to do that. Yeah. Every, every time so far. Um, God, I didn't even, I didn't realize that. It could uh, be, it could be because I'm an English teacher. So I see, I see, no, no. I see motifs. <laughs> no, but it's a, it's an interesting. So for the longest time, so the woman on the, cover and my mother they look a lot alike that was always the thing we look at this photo and um my mother's eyes and her eyes are exactly the same um skin tone my mother was very pale not I don't think as pale as her but pale and eyebrows everything was the same um and for the longest time, I thought I had there, but I actually don't. Actually, for making this cover and made it, it was quite obvious. Like, oh, that's I had my daddy's eyes. That's interesting. But we had always talked about this. Like, there's like a sizing of the eyes, and um, so being able to look at her face and see my mother very clearly, and then to see, you know, I favor my mother somewhat. And to see myself made that particular incantation pop up. Um, and I and I should say, like a lot of these, and particularly this chapter, popped up from very specific altar and spirit practices that I'm really interested in. Mm. I had to build an altar in order to access this story. And to just kind of sit in meditation in this altar to try to hear what I was hoping is what she maybe would have wanted, mm. but also giving me permission to access it in the way that I would want. Um, and so that incantation, that incantation came in meditation. Uh, th the same for um chapter one chapter two was different in that chapter two i tugged on a phrase that my grandmother was saying mm. um there's some things i can't i just can't tell you about honey yeah i just hung on that because that really was because she said it with joy like she said it with love and joy but the gravity of it just really sat with me. Yeah, of course. I don't, I actually don't want to know those things. Right. You know, I actually don't want to know those things. I could, I could go through the history books and figure out what some of those things yeah. might have been. And she specifically focused on her, on this, the beauty of Mississippi, which it is very beautiful down there. Mm -hmm. uh, but the history is just a horror show. Yeah. So, complicated it's so complicated yeah. american history is a it's as complex as we are human yeah exactly um yeah. one note i skipped that i do want to mention that i think is important i want to shout out kit malone um yes. of tv on the radio fame uh yes. who p.s we miss them we do miss them i just <laughs> i want them to know we miss yeah, them i i i I'm going to tell him that you said that because yes, uh, I miss it too. Yeah. It's, and Kip, Kip made, I also want to, since we're talking about Kip, I want to shout out uh, his solo record, um, Rain Machine from yes. years back, which is so good and was so criminally okay. overlooked. Totally. Um, and I, I, I'm happy to own a copy of Unvinyl. It's, I love that record. Um uh, but anyway, he produced this album, which I think is great, um, and contributed synth work. And in the credits of the record, you even say something along the lines of that we couldn't have made this record without Kip. Um, what did he bring sort of technically or spiritually or whatever you want to say to this project, to the Coin Coin project? 
Uh, Kip is my heart. Like mm. Kip is like, Kip was the very first person I met when I moved to New York. He oh, served wow. me a coffee. He was working at a cafe. On in what is now, I don't even understand what's happening in Williamsburg. But Williamsburg <laughs> was very different. Like I just didn't like the Apple stores across from from like New York sports. Like when we showed up there, there was nothing like that. But the first sign of things going to hell is when the nice coffee shows up. And so he, Tunde, and Gerard Smith all worked at this cafe. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was really funny. Or maybe maybe Tunde was at the bookstore across the street. But <laughs> Gerard and Kip were there. And I'll never forget, like, Kip, you know, he's such a striking man. Mm-hmm. So first you're just like okay, what's he doing behind the, like, what's happening here? And he gave me a coffee and he said something to me and I don't remember what he said to me, but I was like, okay, this guy doesn't like me. Like, I don't know what, like, I probably said something because I was just really green and mm-hmm. very Midwestern in that way. And um, I ended up getting a job across the street at this bookstore, used bookstore. Um. And he came in one day just to apologize to me for whatever was happening that day. I don't remember. I think it was more my projection. It had nothing to do with him. <laughs> and we just became just fast friends. Like he, that whole band really, like between Gerard and Kip, like they kept me working when I didn't have work. They, really looked out for me um mm. in ways that were very family like they were my kind of first family away from family and uh kip has been a rock in my life forever now and so in order to tell this story i really needed to have someone near who understood me at a deep level and understood how destabling this story could be um, if I didn't feel rooted yeah. in the space in the studio and to have um, a second pair of ears, you know, and Radwan uh, Mumne, who mixed the record and has recorded some of the other coin coin records, um, our friendship is very different. It's not quite what Kip and I like Kip and I are, are it feels like blood mm-hmm. and so having him um he knows me unlike he doesn't misunderstand me like there's some he really sees me in ways that many people um who've come through my life have not and so I really value him and I just really wanted him near uh yeah doing this and it was the you know i like to be the producer on most of the coin coin records but for this one i really needed that extra and i was so just chuffed that he agreed <laughs> shout out to kit malone yeah oh my god big shout out to kit malone yeah i didn't realize that um somehow i didn't realize that you guys had been in each other's orbits for that long so that's that's awesome oh my god yeah it's really you know, and when TV on the radio, when things took off, you know, Kip, they looked out for so many of us who yeah. were still trying to figure out. There would be moments, I remember like running to him on the street. He'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, ah, uh, he's like, come with me. I'm taking you out to dinner. I'm mm-hmm. taking you out to lunch. Or, you know, like he's just one of those like really random um, people or, you know, come over and he's an incredible cook and I'm cooking for people and uh, he really cares. Mm-hmm. They really cared about people in their community. And I, I don't think I'd have a career if it wasn't for some of the care and familiar vibes I received from him and some of the others in TV on the radio. Yeah. So I feel we've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, your records, I've, I've, uh, I've been following the coin coin series since chapter one, I I believe. And, you know, they're, they're, they're dense, multifaceted, 
sometimes very, very, very complex artifacts. So I'm very appreciative that you have taken time to hang out for an hour or so and try to try in your in your best ability to illuminate some stuff for me and for other listeners. Um, the album, Quinn Quinn Chapter 5 in the Garden, comes out September 29th on Constellation. Um, yep. So thank you, Montana, for talking with me and also just for your work and your kindness over the years that I've received from you. It does mean a lot. Oh, that means a lot. Thank you so much for just, I, you know, you and other people, like, I'm amazed at what um, I've been able to do with these records so far and the ways in which you guys continue to cheer me on. It means a lot. It keeps me going and, and we'll get to 12. Yeah, we can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> it would be awesome. I'm I sure promise. you can't wait either. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait. No, it's going to be awesome. I promise yeah, you. Yeah, it's going to be a good ride. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Matsuna, so okay. much. Well, have a great day and you take and watch this COVID stuff. Be careful oh, out here, okay? I'm trying. You too. Feel better. Okay. Bye. Bye bye.